0: This church, my name is Zach Bauer. I'm the student minister here, and we are so glad you've come to worship with us this morning. Uh, it's very cold. I know the, the bed is very tempting on a day like, uh, day like today, but we are so glad you're here. Um, I, I'm going to read a passage of scripture. Um, I'm not going to speak on, on this much, but I know some of you, you've, you've been asking. I've posted something about a friend uh, who's going through a great trial um, right now. Um, but this passage, uh, it is from Second Chronicles chapter 14, and uh, they named their baby, uh, and they had planned on, you know, it was the name for their baby all along, uh, Asa, who was one of the kings of Judah. And, and so this passage speaks of him, and I think is just a great, uh, a great word for us this morning um, uh, about God and what, uh, what God is all about and how much he cares and loves us. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out all the cities of Judah, the high places altars, and the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah. For the land had rest. He had no war in those years. For the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah, armed with large shields and spears, and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields, shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army of a million men and 300 chariots, and came as far as Mereshah. And Asa went out to meet them. And they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephathah, at Merishah, and Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. And in your name we have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah. And the Ethiopians fled that is the word of the Lord this morning, and we are uh, grateful to worship the Lord that uh, in this place we worship God. there is no other God on this earth, uh, and we are so uh, so blessed to to sing praises to God this morning and if you are a guest, we are glad that you are here to worship the Lord with us and, and maybe you don't know the Lord. Uh, if you are a guest here, uh, I hope when you walk away you know and you have come uh to meet the Lord today. Uh and we would love to connect with you. Uh we have connection card on here. Just fill that out and drop that in the offering bucket and that can be your gift to us this morning. Uh, David.
1: All right. Thank you, Zach. Well I'm over here at the piano today and we need to continue to pray for Gail. Gail has pneumonia and we want to keep her on our prayer list. I know there are some visitors here this morning and I want to just reiterate what Zach said. Broadway is a wonderful place to worship. There's a great fellowship here. We are going to have a slightly different kind of service this morning. Our screens are not working. And fortunately, we have hymnals in the rack, okay? We're going to take out and turn to number 285, and we'll begin by standing together as we sing. I will sing of my Redeemer.
2: I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. On the cruel cross he suffered from the curse to set me free. Sing, O sing, of my Redeemer with his blood. boundless love and mercy, he the ransom freely gave. Sing, O oh, sing, of my Redeemer. with his blood he purchased me. On the cross he sealed my pardon, paid the debt and made me Praise my dear Redeemer His triumphant power I'll tell How the victory given oh, mercy Single O oh, sing Of my Redeemer With His blood He purchased me On the cross
3: pray. I want to mention to you that one of our homebound went to be with the Lord this past week, Miss Penny Gilmore. Her graveside service will be in Lexington Cemetery Wednesday afternoon at three o'clock. I believe her remains are at Kerr Brothers on Main Street. So if you will remember this family in a very special way. Father, we come to you this morning with praise and with thanksgiving, rejoicing in you for the bountiful blessings that you have poured out upon us all through life, but especially in these last few days as we have celebrated the coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we move forward to thinking about the new year that lies ahead, God, you tell us in our in your word that we are to forget those things of the past and press forward for the high calling that you have set before us. And God involved in that is the putting aside of a lot of baggage that we've accumulated. And we pray, dear God, that we might search our hearts and that you might We might confess our sins. You might cleanse us. And Lord, that we might move into this new year anticipating what you want to accomplish with each individual that is here collectively, what you want to accomplish in Broadway Baptist Church. Thank you for being a part of your family and the family of Broadway. And Father, there are those that have come today that are very heavy hearted. There are those that have recently lost loved ones. There are those that are facing challenges with health issues. There are family issues. There is always at this season of the year, the stress of finances and wanting to do for others to take care of our families. We pray, God, that we might lay all of these things at your feet this morning and allow you to work within us. We pray for our pastor as he comes to share your word. I pray that he would be empowered with your message of the Holy Spirit and that souls might be saved today. Holy Father, breathe upon us and unifresh as we move forward from your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You may be seated. Well, this Christmas season, we focused on Jesus in our worship. A hymn that is not a Christmas hymn, but it talks about our love for Jesus. It's number 552. Take your hymnal, please. Turn to number 552 and sing with me My Jesus, I Love Thee.
2: (laughs) My Jesus. Hi love
1: Number 133, number 133. This will be our offertory hymn. Would you stand as we sing, please?
2: My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days I want to praise the wonders of your might my comfort my shelter pure of refuge and spring. let every breath all that I am never cease to worship you shout to the Lord all the earth let us see. Majesty praise to the King Mountains bow down, and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. I sing for joy at the work of your hand. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I had in
1: you sing the Sing the chorus again. Shout to
2: the Lord all the earth. Let us see power and majesty. Praise to the key. Bow, bow down, and the seas will roar at the foot of your name. I shout for joy at the compares to the promise I have in you.
4: Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you are the creator of the universe. And Father, you are the savior of mankind. Father, we are thankful for your mighty hand that provides for us, that cares for us, that protects us. Father we are so grateful this morning for your love and mercy. We're thankful for Calvary's tree. We're thankful for that empty tomb. Father, we know that all good things, all good and perfect things come from you. And Father, as we return a portion of that, I pray that you would bless that indeed. And Father, I pray that you would move in this service. I pray that you would speak to Pastor Daniel I pray that you would anoint him afresh. And Father, if there's one here this morning who has yet to invite the Lord Jesus Christ into his or her life, I pray that you would draw them to you. And Father, we humbly ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
5: And the hope you had has disappeared and you've lost your will to try and you think your ship has just come in but it keeps on passing by when you almost gain the victory and you've left the rest behind and the marathon has slowed its pace as you reach the finish line and you round the final corner and you fall depend on me depend on me depend on me when the world has let you down depend on me when you feel you're losing ground depend on me when your love has been denied when you've lost your earthly pride you can depend on me when your life is filled with emptiness And your friends have said goodbye. And the hill becomes a mountain as your troubles multiply. When your trials get too much to bear and you're standing all alone. And the feeling way down deep inside is the worst you've ever known. And you need someone to count on and no one's there. Depend on me, depend on me, depend on me, when the world has let you down. Depend on me, when you feel you're losing ground, depend on me. When your love has been denied, when you've lost your earthly pride, you can depend on me. Depend on me when the world has let you down. Depend on me when you feel you're losing ground. Depend on me when your love has been denied. When you've lost your earthly pride, you can depend on me.
6: Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. That was outstanding. We certainly do depend on the Lord, and it's certainly... Uh, and especially with the new year, we trust in Him. So I appreciate that. Open your Bibles book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. While you turn there in the Bible, um, our uh, our screens aren't working today, but I had a video I was going to show. Actually, the video was of me. It was a video of me I was going to show, but since that's, I guess it's a good day if we're going to miss the video, thing's going to be broken. I can tell you what the video is about since I was in the video. And um, what it is, is this come, upcoming Month, the month of January, obviously it starts tomorrow. We're going to start a series here at our church called Stories. And the reason why this is important is because one of the things, one of the challenges always in a church, and usually you only really know these things in your Sunday school class or maybe the Wednesday evening prayer meeting, but if God's doing something in your life, A lot of times, other people in the church have no idea. And let me explain what I mean by God doing something in your life. It doesn't have to be necessarily, or it could be, someone gets saved. Maybe you've been praying for someone and they get saved. Or maybe you've been battling cancer and God has healed you from that. Maybe you have been going through a tough time, whatever it would be, and the Lord brought you through that. And you look look back and you see the Lord's hand involved. That's a story to tell. So this entire, or the entire month of January 2018, we want to be telling those stories. So what we hope to do, and I want you to be thinking and praying about this: if you've had a story to tell, maybe within the past year of God working in your life, when our video screens work, we'll shoot maybe a two to three minute video of you. Because a lot of times, basically, what this is, it's video testimonies. Back in the good old days, you'd have testimony time; people would grab a mic, and you come up here, and um, a three minute testimony. It would be in a 37 minute testimony. It would, uh, but these are, uh, we can condense it down to two or three minutes. So at the beginning of the sermon and at the point in the service, we have video testimonies of, sh- of sharing and hearing of what God is doing in the lives of people here at Broadway. This month or the month of January, if you think you have a story you want to tell, if you have maybe something you would like for folks to know, I mean, you can video it yourself and email it to me or see me, and I can video you, and we'll play it. Then we can maybe upload it on our church's Facebook page so folks who aren't here, they can see it too. It's an exciting way of letting other folks know how God is working. In the entire month of January, I'm going to be preaching on the parables of Jesus. Jesus was a storyteller. He went around telling stories. Many times the stories were symbolic. They represented something else. But it was a story of letting us see a glimpse of, into what God has to tell us by, uh, uh, via a story. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about, the, uh, here in this passage here, in Matthew chapter 13. This is a transitional uh, section here. Matthew 13, verses 44, through the end of the chapter there, verse 58. And it's several short stories Jesus certainly tells. And it's certainly one for us here, at the close of a year, 2017, to see um, how Jesus is transitioning going into Galilee, and then he'll start talking about his death with that. I want to share, you know, we're coming up on a time of the year. You know, this is the last day of the year. It's New Year's Eve today. Tomorrow's new first day of the new year. There's a lot of exciting things in our church that you need to be prayerfully considering getting involved in. Or if you can't get involved, get your kids, your grandkids, get other folks involved in. For example, and I bet a lot of you just don't, don't even know about these things. Tomorrow morning, we have nine college students... And three adults will load up in our shuttle bus here, and they're going to head down to Phillips Arena in downtown Atlanta, Georgia, and they're going to go to the our college ministry. has. The, the, it's a big college conference called Passion, and it's 20,000 college students. We'll have a great group go down there. So they're going to leave in the morning, and they'll return back on Wednesday night. Also on Tuesday, and I'm going to list some things by memory. Hopefully I'm not going to forget anything. We'll list some things next few weeks. I want you to be thinking out, how can I get plugged in these things? Tuesday night, our 20-something class is going ice skating. You can go ice skating down at Triangular Park in single-degree weather and freeze. And then you'll be on top of ice. It'll make it extra cold. If you really want to be cold, that's for you. So that Wednesday night, we're starting a... Um, uh, on our Wednesday night Bible class up here, we're starting a new series on the Ten Commandments. Each week, we're going to cover a different commandment. So I want you to come... If you aren't connected on Wednesday night Bible study, come eat at 5.30, have Bible study at 6.30. Thursday, we have room at the inn here this week. That's when we house uh, men, about a dozen homeless men here in Lexington, and we play, uh, We have a shower in our gym, and they sleep in there, and they uh, get a bath. They are able to get a meal that night, and they get a sack lunch the next morning. It's a ministry of our church. We do a devotion with them. It's a great opportunity to certainly meet the needs here in our uh, community saturday we're starting not this coming wednesday but the 10th we're starting a a women's bible study called war room miss kelly soar is going to be leading it but saturday at noon they're having a lunch in here the women's ministry and showing this uh i guess a dvd and then they're going to have lunch that study begins on january 10th i think it's six seven weeks study Kelly Sword's going to be leading it. It's going to be on Wednesday nights at 6.30 to 7.30, so you can drop your teenagers and your children off and certainly be able to attend. That's exciting. Also on January 10th, if you're a college student, Max Godby, he came and spoke at our last men's prayer breakfast last or two weeks ago. Well, we were able to recruit him and come to a Bible study. He was so good, so you need to just come lead a Bible study with the college kids. So he's going to be here beginning on Wednesday night, January 10th. With, in the college room is going to be teaching college Bible study with all our college students. That's exciting to see that kick off. So having different options on Wednesday nights with uh, different age groups. And two weeks from today, our teenagers, Zach's being about 19 or so, are going to be going down to Pigeon Forge, Tennessee for winter retreat. They're going to be going down there over Martin Luther King Jr. weekend and have a big winter retreat. They'll be gone two weeks from today. And have a a great speakers, a great, great time of bonding and getting to know each other. That's exciting for our youth group. Men, we have something for you. In five weeks, it's going to be February 2nd and 3rd, we have the Johnny Hunt Men's Conference simulcast. It's going to be right here in the sanctuary. We've signed up to be a simulcast host site. Men, you will come on a Friday night or a Saturday morning or both if you're able to make it. You just come whatever you can. You'll sit in here and you will watch the Johnny Hunt Men's Conference in Woodstock, Georgia, live. It's just like you'll be there. You'll sit up front. We're going to have cook. Kevin Dye's heading this up. We're going to cook Friday night hamburgers and have a good time of men's fellowship. And then we'll come up here and watch that. Men, I want to invite you to be a part of that. You sign up for all this stuff online. This new year, you need to be thinking, how can I be more involved in my church? How can I connect? How can I start getting um, uh, connected and hearing my story and learning other folks' story here in 2018? So that was the video that, uh, that you didn't get to see. But those are some of the things going on these next few weeks here at Broadway. It's an exciting time. Uh, good things are certainly happening. Matthew chapter 13 Verse 44. These are several parables. Then we're going to see how Jesus was accepted or rejected at His hometown. Verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl... He went and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a large net being thrown into the sea. It collects every kind of fish. And when it was full, they dragged it ashore and sat down and gathered the good fish into containers, but threw out the worthless ones. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will go and separate the evil people from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? They answered him, yes. This is the disciples' answering. Therefore, he said to them, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out his storeroom treasures new and old. I'm going to explain this here in a minute. When Jesus had finished these parables, he left there. He went to his hometown and began to teach them in their synagogue that they were astounded, they were astonished, And said, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Isn't this the carpenter's son? You're always reminded in your hometown of where you came from. Isn't his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? And his sisters, aren't they with us also? So where does he get all these things? And then they were offended by him. They were offended at Jesus because Jesus had forgotten his roots. Jesus, you're from Nazareth, buddy. Your mama and your brother and your sisters are right here. Who do you think you are? Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his household. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. They did not believe. All they could see Jesus was, was he was somebody who grew up and he was the carpenter's son. Typically in Bible son, that's in Bible times. What happens? is Your father taught you your trade. So if your dad's a carpenter, then Jesus became a carpenter. What do you see here? And these are four different sections we just read. And then what happens? Jesus is going to go into Galilee here and start talking about his death. So it's a transitional. But we see this first section is the parable of the hidden treasure and the priceless pearl. And what Jesus tells us here is he says, here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. If you know of someone with a treasure, and there's a buried treasure in a field, you sell everything you have and say, I'm going to go buy that field because I know deep down in that field there is a treasure that I'm going to get. And that's what a pearl is like. If you know of a rare pearl, you go and sell all you have so you can get that. He says that is what it should be like for Christians. You and I should be living our life thinking, I have a treasure in heaven. You know, I'm sure Santa Claus came to your house this past week, and he brought lots of treasures. But the Bible's saying there's something better than that. There's a treasure we have in heaven. And we should live our life in a way that we do anything it takes to live that way. I want to illustrate this by telling you the story of Chris Donnelly. Chris Donnelly, he was the safety for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt Commodores, their safety is a defensive back on the football team, in 1989 and 1990. He was actually a good player. He grew up in Memphis, Tennessee, and he got a scholarship, a full scholarship at Vanderbilt. Now, that's worth Even if the football team's not even good, a full scholarship to Vanderbilt, that's worth quite a bit. So he accepted that offer, and he went to go play. Now, he was a good football player. He went to go play football for, for the Commodores, and after two years, now this is one of these guys, he wanted to win. He probably grew up in a team that he's used to winning and winning. Well, he went to Vandy. After two years, their record was 2-22. and 22. That's two seasons. I mean, they were, they were not doing well. So he's getting frustrated. He's saying, I am a good football player, and, and he's winning a little awards on the team. He's the best defensive player and, we, and he says, by the end of the second season, you just lost your spirit. Because you just, you weren't really there to, nobody goes to Vandy to play football. You go to Vandy for the free education because you got a scholarship and football's just on the side. I mean, your, your team's 1-11, so why would you expect to win? Well, Chris was one of these guys, after two years, he's thinking, this, this doesn't cut it for me. I, I don't want to keep losing. So he decided he wanted to transfer to another school. Well, he wanted to play for the Crimson Tide. So he was able to, um, because he was a good player, he was able to, Gene Stallings accepted him, he was able to transfer to the Tide. Well, if you transfer in football, you, have to, you just can't go from one season to the next season. You have to sit out for one year. So in order to go play for the Tide, he was going to lose, uh, lose a season, but he was going to learn, I guess, their defensive scheme, how they play defense, and then he'd maybe be a starter his last year there. Well, when he announced that he was transferring, everybody came to Chris Donnelly and said, Chris, you're a foolish guy. Just finish up the year. Who cares if Vandy loses? They always lose. They're just they're losers. That's what they do if you play for Vanderbilt. Nobody expects them to win anyway. You're getting a $60,000 education for free. You just graduate and you'll get a good job where everybody else won't. So you just, and his mama, his friends, everybody is saying, Chris, stay two years, finish it out, and put football behind you, and go get a great job. Well, this guy, he wanted to play for a good football team. Well, he didn't listen to anybody. He was hard-headed, so he decided he was going to transfer. So he transferred, and he was one of these guys. He, He went there his year he sat out, and he learned their defensive system. He learned how they played there in Tuscaloosa, and he, his last year, he was a starter in 1992 because he had set out his 1991 season. Chris Donnelly was the starting safety for the Tide against what everyone said to do don't transfer, finish your year, get, graduate, go get a great job. Well, in 1992, Crimson Tide won national championship. That guy went from a losing team. When everyone was telling him, you need to stay put, finish your last two years, graduate, go to a great job. But he was restless because he was used to winning. And I think, so he made that transfer and he made this jump to a good football team. And they won it all that year. Now I share this because a lot of us, what happens to us, we get in these ruts like Chris Donnelly. You get in a rut of, hey, you're at Vandy. They're going to in 2022. 20, who cares? Nobody comes here anyway to win. We come here to get a free scholarship. Just finish strong. Two more years and you graduate, and you get in the habit of losing. And we, for, and some people like Chris Donnelly, he can't handle that. He's like, I'm not going to stay here game after game after game and lose 45 to zero. That's not who I am. That's not how I was raised. I'm a winner. And what happens we see here, Jesus Christ is saying, listen, the kingdom of heaven, church is a hidden treasure. Why stay in a rut and just stay down here losing year after year after year where I am offering you something so much better? So, where, like Chris Donnelly, he walks away from a very valuable scholarship at Vandy to go down to the Tide. But what he wanted is he wanted a ring. He wanted a championship. And he got it. Do you have that same type of drive, that passion, that excitement for the Lord? Do you have that desire? The Bible is telling us, Jesus says, in his joy, verse 44, he goes and sells everything and buys a field. He was willing to lose everything. This man was willing to lose everything he owned for the treasure of heaven. That is the type of mindset the Lord wants us to have. That's what it means to have a treasure and have the kingdom of heaven as something worth losing everything for. A lot of us, were just like Chris Donnelly. And it's easy to be that way. You just play for the losing team. You're there for free. You're going to graduate in two years. Just finish strong and... Give half, 50-60% effort, and it'll be okay. They don't expect to win anyway. Nobody goes to Vandy to win. I mean, it's just a, a losing attitude. And we as Christians, we can develop that same attitude. Jesus Christ is telling us, when you are saved, the kingdom of heaven is a priceless pearl. It's a treasure with no value. Your last breath here on earth is the first breath in heaven. And you're with God forever with Him. We joyfully let go of the things in order to passionately take hold of one thing. What happens is, the treasure God is talking about here, Christ is talking about, is that we should delight so much in the Lord in trusting, obeying, and turning from our sin that it actually becomes normal for us to do this. Is it normal for you to trust God? Is it normal for you to obey Him. The normal for anything, when you have sin in your life, you immediately repent of that and see this is awful. Lord, this is not how you want me to leave, believe, live as a believer. Philippians 3, 7. You don't have to turn there. I want to read it. It says, Paul wrote, but everything that was gained to me, I have considered to be lost because of Christ. Everything Paul has, all the Christmas presents, all his possessions, he says, it's lost. It means nothing to me. Chris Donnelly's passion was winning a national championship. That's all the guy wanted. He didn't care about school. He didn't care about getting a good education. His passion was winning football games. Is your passion Jesus? That's what he's saying to us. That's what it means to have a treasure in Christ in 2018. Paul says, I've lost. I'm willing to lose everything for the Lord. That is what discipleship is. Look at this next uh, parable here. The parable of the net. Jesus gave an illustration here about how fish, they go out and throw the net and good fish and bad fish come back and the worthless ones, the fish that no one eat, they just throw them away. He says that's what it's going to be like at the second coming. Jesus coming back and the angels are going to separate folks. There will be a coming separation. Saved folks are going to heaven. Lost folks are going to hell. And that's what the net is like, just like when you go fishing and you use a net, you get some good stuff, you get some trash, you get some stuff you throw out. But then there's also some prizes in there when you go fishing. He says that's what's going to happen. He says when this happens, there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth in verse 50. You know, we forget God's in the saving business. Down in Georgia, I used to always take, or we used to always take our... They had this thing called, back in the good old days, I know they have them here in Kentucky, it's called the Youth Evangelism Conference. Many of you probably grew up going to them, I did. It's called YEC. Well, they renamed it a few years ago down in Georgia. At the Georgia Baptist Convention it was called, they call it the MOVE Conference. And they'd always have it at the Macon Coliseum. It was just there uh, past three days, three days ago. And they do it in Macon so the whole center of the state can come visit. Well, um, what it is, the Youth Evangelism Conference is they bring in a big-name uh, youth evangelist, uh, great music, worship bands come in, incredible testimonies. It's completely geared towards teenagers. And it's an exciting time. They offer an invitation. And I was, uh, I was following up. We used to always have a group go down there to that, just like we're going in a couple of weeks down in Pigeon Forge. And I was reading the reports last night, because it wrapped up yesterday. 700 teenagers got saved down there. Church, you don't hear about that anymore. And when set, Now, there's probably several thousand there in attendance. 700 teenagers walked the aisle there at the invitation at the Youth Evangelism Conference and gave their life to Jesus. We forget God is still working here. It's easy to think, well, young people there are going, no, 700 kids just got saved at the MOVE Conference at the Macon Coliseum yesterday and Friday and on Thursday. It's a three-day conference. How exciting to see that. We we completely forget the Lord is greatly working here in 2018, in the new year. And church, we have to say, am I going to join Him in doing it? We see, the Bible tells us, there is a coming judgment. The judgment here was the net goes out. And Jesus says, there's going to be some good fish. And there's going to be some that get thrown back. He's talking about the coming judgment. The the exciting news about this, there's still good fish out there. Everything's not all bad. Jesus is telling us because when we go out and share the gospel as a church and a body of believers, when you go out and tell other folks about the Lord, there will be some people God's preparing their hearts to hear and they will respond. We trust the Lord with the the events we do. When When our college students go down to Atlanta to Phillips Arena for the big college conference, and then in two weeks, when they're down in um, Pigeon Forge, God will do a great work in their life and there will be response. You don't have to turn there. A few months ago, I talked about it because I think this illustrates this is how we respond to the Lord. God's speaking to you today. Tomorrow's a new year. A new year, you need to make a resolution. And I tell you, re- New Year's resolutions need to be about the Lord. Might be you need to start attending church more regularly you know, I need to start reading your Bible, whatever it will be. There needs to be something. He says, God, I'm going to start tithing. I'm going to do something. I'm going to start serving. I'm going to start believing. I'm going to do something for you, Lord. Something more than... You should look back. Here is last day. You should look back this year in 2017. Do you, are you closer to the Lord on December 31st, 2017, than you were on Sunday, January 1st, 2017? 364 days ago. Do you, have you deepened your faith? Have you grown as a disciple? Have you grown in your knowledge of the Scriptures? Or your trust in God? You look back and say, God, have I grown this year? That's what He expects of His people. That's what it means here. To have a treasure. Do you know in the second plague, Pharaoh had the Israelites enslaved Moses comes up to him and says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. So start, plagues, 10 plagues started showing up. The second plague was the plague of frogs. Frogs were everywhere in Egypt. I mean, everywhere you walk, you're stepping on frogs. You go to the bathroom, there's a frog. I mean, you go, put your clothes in, there's a frog in the pocket. There were frogs everywhere. And Pharaoh had flo- frogs in the palace. And this is in Exodus verses 8 through 10. So Pharaoh gets frustrated because there's frogs all over the place. Everywhere you go, there's a frog. And he calls for Moses and says, Moses, get rid of these frogs. This is outrageous. I'll let the people go. They can go worship. Look, you can take the Israelites. Just do whatever. Just get rid of these frogs. And Moses says to him, in Exodus 8, 8-10. through Pharaoh, when would you like for me to get rid of these frogs? Now think about it. There's frogs everywhere. And Pharaoh looks at Moses and says, Tomorrow. 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 Why not today? Church, many times we're just like Pharaoh. We live for tomorrow. Why would you want to spend one more night with frogs all over the place? When all he had to do is say today, and at at Moses' word, the frogs would all die. But because Pharaoh, he was an arrogant man, he thought, well, let's just do it tomorrow. So he had one more night with the frogs, and the next day, all the frogs died. Church, that is how we live. Tomorrow is going to be a better day than today. Where God is speaking to us today and say, no, you don't need to wait for tomorrow. If you're going to make a commitment to God, why wait to 2018 when you could do it today in 2017? God is asking. He's expecting us. He wants us to respond to Him today. In verse 31, He asks the questions of the disciples, Have you understood all these things? And they answer to Him, Yes, we understand them, certainly. And then He goes on to say, You know, if that's you, if you understand it, you're like a homeowner who comes out and you bring out your storehouses, meaning your treasures, both old and new. And what he's talking about here, Jesus is talking about, that's a tough verse to understand in verse 52. What Jesus is talking about, the disciples, not only did they understand the Old Testament, now they understood the New Testament and the New Covenant as well. And the New Testament is Jesus. Whereas the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they understood their Old Testament, but they missed the Messiah standing in front of them. And Jesus is opening up the minds of the folks there saying, Guys, because you now know the whole story, the Old Testament and the New Testament, you have a responsibility to go out and to teach Others, we have the secrets of the Old and the New Covenant revealed to us here in the New Covenant. We as believers know both the Old and the New. What's the secret? The secret is Jesus is the only way to salvation. So what do we do in response to that? We, therefore, broadly, go out and tell other people. We have a responsibility. You know, our church, I guess our, our future for 2018 is our responsibility for reaching the next generation. We have an obligation. Christ expects us as a church body to be intentional in reaching the next gen. Listen, God's going to give us great growth here at our church. And we have to trust Him. When He brings the growth, as He brings the folks, as you are faithful, as we're faithful in proclaiming the gospel and the good news, He also will provide the resources to sustain it. He always does. When God grows His church, He also provides for His church. Our question for us, when we read this little parable here, verses 51 and 52, those are like hidden Bible verses. We we overlook those. The only place in the Scriptures we see them. What Jesus is telling His disciples, He's saying, guys, you know the whole story. The teachers of the law, they only know the Old Testament. But you have been fortunate and blessed enough. Your eyes have been opened because I, Jesus, have opened them up. You Now you know the Old the New Covenant. Therefore, you need to go out and tell the folks. You're now the teacher. Jesus is telling you and I, this new year, that we have a responsibility to be teaching His Word and to be communicating the Gospel. This new year, some of you are Bible scholars here at our church. But the truth is, it has been years and years and decades since you've led someone to Christ. We read, we, I tell you these stories about the down in Macon, Georgia, 700 youth get saved. If that can happen there, and the Macon, Georgia in the middle of nowhere, if it can happen there, it can happen here in Lexington, Kentucky. But you and I have to have the faith and the trust in the Lord. says, God, use me. (coughs) I want to be the one. I I want to be somebody that reaches the next generation. That's intentional in sharing the gospel. Last section here we see. Jesus goes to church in his hometown. You go back to your hometown, and they look at you, and all you are is Mary and Joseph's son. You know Joseph's actually not mentioned here. This is why we believe Joseph had probably passed away in and, and, um, and Jesus, while well, he was a young man, because it says, "The carpenter's son," meaning Joseph had died, but they had trained he had trained Jesus to be a carpenter. And it says in verse 58. this is a sad Bible verse, because I think it's a verse for us. It says here. And He did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. How sad. Jesus shows up and they just didn't believe the man. They couldn't get past this is Mary and Joseph's son. Who does He think He is? How dare He show up here at our synagogue and start doing miracles and teaching us the Scriptures? Did Joseph teach him this? And it was sad. Nazareth, his hometown. Wouldn't you love to see your hometown come to know the Lord? It even says he's rejected in his household. Do you know one of the hardest people to lead to faith are the people that live in your home? Other people will listen to you, but it is difficult leading your home into church and leading them in the ways of the Lord. Jesus couldn't do it. It says they were actually offended by him. Have you ever offended someone? Has anybody been offended by someone else? Well, Jesus went to his home and he offended them because of his teaching. Do you know? We this past week we went to Cracker Barrel. It's one of my favorite restaurants. I'm sure you've been there. And you go there. (coughs) Every Cracker Barrel is the same everywhere you go. You go there, and we always go there because they have the toys and the little kids section there and the little store. And the place was packed. We had to wait thirty minutes for a table. And I was shocked how many folks there. So we sit down, and um, this a few days ago, and it, you, know, you get your item, then you have to get your side items that go along with it. So I said, I want black eyed peas. So I ordered black eyed peas. And the waitress says, oh, we only sell those on New Year's Day. And the reason why they only sell those on New Year's Day, which is tomorrow, is because supposedly, if you eat black-eyed peas on New Year's Day, it brings good luck for the new year. Now, be honest, who here has black-eyed peas? Are at home waiting for, and they're going to cook them tomorrow? Five, six hands went up, including Miss Sherry's there, because we didn't get ours at Cracker Barrel, so we had to go buy them at Kroger (coughs) with that. But I share this because I, I ordered them, and they didn't have them, But they basically say, come back Monday and I'll cook you some black-eyed peas. Well, church, in many ways, that is how we treat the Lord. We treat Him the same way. Say, God, I'll give you one one day a year at Cracker Barrel, you get black-eyed peas. In our attitude, the average American Christian attends church twice a month. Twice a month. For most of us, that's where most folks go. I mean, there's other things to do, there's busy, you've got family, you've got cooking, there's uh, so many other priorities. And what happens, we tell God, says, God, I'm going to give you two Sundays a month as I'm going to come to church. And I'll bring my Bible and I'll listen to a sermon and sing songs and, and give my offering and praise you. And then we, we're frustrated because we don't see the Lord working mightily in our life. Everything, God, I'm just, I'm not seeing it. You're like Chris Donnelly. It's like playing for Vanderbilt. You're just losing. See, why Why? why is God not doing incredible things in my life? I mean, if, we, if you go to church 24 times a year, I mean, you're giving God 24 days out of 365. It's like Cracker Barrel. You go there, you get one day a year if you happen to hit them on On January 1st, you get your black-eyed peas, and that's it. And there's a sense of disappointment. You walk away and think, well, I didn't even get what I wanted. I have to go home, go grocery and buy them and cook it myself. Jesus Christ, if He's your treasure, He's saying every single day, you sell what you own, you get rid of it, and you make him your treasure. Could you make a commitment to the Lord? It says, Lord, in 2018, every single day, 365 days, I am going to live for you. I am going to live like you are my treasure. Like it's a, I've bought a field and I'm digging it up and there it is. It's just millions of dollars in gold that I knew was there. Lord, that's, that's who you are. When you get saved, the Bible says that is biblical salvation. Many ways, we're just like the people of Nazareth. We have this unbelief. We give God a minimum amount. And then we get offended. Have you ever met somebody who's offended or they get mad or upset at church or with God or whatever? And then in verse 58, and he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. It was sad. The city that raised Jesus, the family and friends that that brought Him together, that brought this young man up, the Son of God, did not believe Him. The person they raised didn't even believe in the man. That's one of the dangers of growing up in church. There's this sense of, I've always been a Christian. I've always been saved. I've always heard every Christmas story. It's just another sermon, just another preacher, just another worship service, just another message about the new year. And you walk away thinking, well, all right, I'll start reading the Bible. And by January 4th, you're done. That's Nazareth. Jesus Christ this year, He's asking, can I be your treasure? Will you treasure me every day of the year? Will you actually live? Will there there be a joy that you will give up everything? And even against what people say, I'm going to live for Jesus. (coughs) The illustration of Chris Donnelly against every single person, including his mama, saying you're not leaving that Vanderbilt education. You're going to pay for me when I get old. You're going to get a good job. And he transferred to this other school. Didn't even know if he was going to play. People told him, You're going to ride the bench down there in Tuscaloosa. They're not promised anything. But he wanted to win. Church, that's how Jesus Christ wants you to live. He wants you to have that same attitude towards the gospel. Say, My Bible, I treasure it so much that daily in 2018, I'm going to read it, I'm going to start my day with the Lord. Or I'm going to end my day with the Lord. At some point, I'm going to have lunch time with the Lord. At some point in your life, Jesus is included in your life. It's sad that two times a year or two times a month, Christians go to church. If you will not have a dynamic spiritual life, if you're giving God two, two, two days out of the month, it won't happen. It'll just be another year. 2018 will come and go. And you think, God, here we are again, just on the losing team, just like Vandy, Vandy. After two years is two and twenty two. Just losing along. It's just you become expected. Listen, if you can't think of a time, Broadway, of the last time God has answered a prayer in your life, or the last time the Lord has used you, or the last time you've seen God bless you, buddy, you're on the losing team. That means you've just become accustomed to it. You're just expecting you just. It's just another service. God is, His people are saying, I'm offering you a treasure that you will never lose. God answers prayer. I promise that that making Coliseum in the middle of nowhere, there were probably hundreds if not thousands of people praying for a mighty move to happen there. And to see 700 teenagers saved. They're coming back this Sunday. They're walking their aisles at their churches. And they're saying, hey, I went to the MOVE conference preacher and I gave my life to Jesus. And there's churches this morning throughout Georgia that are clapping for that. How exciting. And that's great down there, but church, we want to happen here. But what happens is we get used to losing. And Christ is saying, I offer you something better. I'm going to close this in prayer. I'm going to pray for our college students. They're going to leave in the morning. They're going down to Atlanta. We want God to move mightily in their life. But some of you this morning, also I'm going to pray that God gives you a passion in your heart, that you make Him a treasure. God doesn't want you to lose. You, you, you need to have that same frustration that Chris Donnelly had at Vanderbilt. Who wants to be on a team that goes 1-11? Even if it is free. Who cares? I want more than that. Christ needs to be blessing your life. Every week is a winning week with the Lord. It's a treasure. You've found a pearl that you've uncovered. And God wants to bless you with it. God, I pray this morning. <coughs> I pray for the college students as they leave in the morning. And they head down to Phillips Arena in downtown Atlanta. I pray for the Passion Conference. I pray that they will see a mighty move. Lord, You will see many college students saved. Lord, hearts will be changed. I pray for the safety as they travel down there for the next three days. Lord, I just pray for the 700 students the past three days that got saved there in Macon, Georgia. How exciting to hear that. Young people turning to You. Lord, I pray we as a body of believers, we will be intentional about taking the Gospel to the next generation. Lord, You tell us the parable of the net. You're going to throw a net out there and there's going to be some good fish and there's going to be some bad fish. And Lord, the good fish go to heaven and the bad fish are burned up. Lord, I pray we will be actively throwing our, casting our net. Just tossing our net. Expecting a good catch. Lord, You're working our life. Lord, give us a passion to see that You are a treasure for us. Make 2018 a winning year in all of our lives. Lord, we don't want to be losers. We don't want to play like on a losing team and we get accustomed to it. Lord, we don't want to be folks that come to church two times a month and expect You to work. Lord, answer our prayers. Lord, hear our cries. Lord, speak to us through Your Word every day. Bring us to worship in Sunday school on Sundays with an expectation that You're going to move, that folks are going to walk the aisle and get saved. Lord, I pray today that if there's anybody here that needs to make You their treasure, they will give up everything they have, as this first parable says, and sell it all just for You. God, I pray That this invitation is your invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lord, we have our invitation. We're going to have our time of response. I'm going to invite everyone to stand. We're going to sing just as I am. Hymn number 435. Let's stand together and sing. I'll be waiting down front for you to respond this morning. Oh 太...
2: As I have
6: Coach David Dale. For that, I want to remind everybody that it is New Year's Eve, so that means we do not have evening worship tonight. So you can um, uh, stay warm at home and watch the ball fall, I guess, in New York City there. So as you bring in the New Year, so there's no evening worship services here. With uh, that, be praying for our college students as they head down in the morning, going down to Atlanta for that. Also, we will be back. We uh, kick off our new Wednesday night. We'll be here at, um, on January 3rd, 530's dinner. Then 6.30, we're having our study on the Ten Commandments. So we invite you. we will have something for all ages, for teenagers as well as, uh, uh, as youth or uh, children as well. So that's going to be uh, this week, uh, a certainly exciting time kicking now. I'm going to ask David if he'll close the sermon, song. All right,
1: we're going to sing together, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Which side do you want to sit on?
6: Turn up? your
2: eyes <coughs> upon Jesus. Look fall in his how are you doing today? You. Happy And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.